0: Hi there. I'm Anne-Marie McQueen, editor of LiveHealthy.ae, and this is the LiveHealthy.ae podcast. Each week, we will interview leaders in the UAE's health and wellness community, and we'll explore topics you read about in our online magazine, the only one of its kind for men and women. And now it's time to meet this week's guest. So today I have Danae Mercer, who is a lifestyle and travel journalist, a content creator, and in the last two years has built up a following of more than 100,000 people on Instagram and a really healthy Facebook community focusing on the area of body positivity. And so we want to talk about all of that. Danae has also written extensively for Live Healthy, and she was a featured panelist at our Live Healthy festival in January talking about this very issue Um, so let's sort of go back I met you uh, I think when you were editor of women's health men's health um, and I I was writing for you um, and you had none of this had started yet none of this had got you know going so exactly walk me through how you you're a magazine editor focusing on bodies (laughs) through to body positivity yeah
1: well I think the body positivity stuff started for me in that I started publishing and sharing stuff in April twenty nineteen.
0: Okay.
1: But I think I like the year before, I'd say November, like twenty eighteen, so I'm still at Women's Health at this point. I came across um Sarah Shakiel's she did a whole campaign around glitter stretch marks. So she's an artist, a kind of a digital artist, and she did a campaign that reimagined stretch marks and made them something very beautiful. And I I came across it because I was writing about it for the magazine. And I just remember being so odd and it like flipped a switch. It changed my perspective over something in a very strong way. And it it opened me up to the idea that, okay, well, maybe these things that are traditionally seen as, as flaws could be very, very beautiful. It's just societal constructs. So, from there, I started broadening kind of like the the content I can see, what I look at um what's on my social media feeds, and all of that just i guess it just started to change what I shared and what I created so that's how it began
0: and Meanwhile, you're in like mainstream magazine media, so mm-hmm. you're you're putting out the most beautiful looking photos and you're Doing photo shoots where you're angling people, and you, you're also taking beautiful photos of yourself. Because back then you were you were on Instagram, but it was more sort of photos and captions. So yeah. how did you sort of shift from the making everything beautiful to like making flaws beautiful? Like you they flipped the switch, but how did you do it on your Instagram? How did you start?
1: Well, I didn't. I didn't start on my Instagram until I was out of women's health because I think at the magazine I was very aware of the fact that I was representing a brand, you know, and it's a great honor and it's an incredible blessing. So I didn't start my own stuff, kind of the body positivity stuff on Instagram until I had gone freelance. And at that point I had just a lot more freedom to be myself, to focus on my own work. And I think I had reached a point with my luxury content where I was feeling really disconnected from it. You know, it was was gorgeous, beautiful stuff. And incredible experiences, but didn't it really feel like me. It just wasn't what I was thinking about, what I was consuming, what was on my mind, what I enjoyed. So it just got to a point where the stuff that I was creating, the ultra luxury stuff, didn't really read, uh, resonate with me, what I wanted to be talking about with what I was consuming. So in April, the very first kind of body positivity post I did was a picture I took on the beach and it was front facing. Um, My abs have always like, I don't retain weight on my abs. I retain weight on my hips, my thighs. So every picture i had ever done for Instagram was always quite front facing and it was, you know, playing on my strengths. Mm -hmm. And this picture I showed my thighs and my butt as well which traditionally I'd been so embarrassed about and so ashamed of. Like I always kind of hid it, even when I was with friends. You know, like you're like, oh, well, this is a bad part of me. And I just haven't, since that picture, I haven't I haven't looked
0: back. <laughs> and I've got to say, you know, I've been watching you the whole time and I'm a lot older than you. But I think I told you this, that for me, I mean, what Dene does is she posts photos, unflattering photos of yourself and you're someone who I think has like um, an amazing figure like I would think that you would think your figure is amazing and I realized along the way that the women I think who have amazing bodies don't always think that and so what's the point of any of us worrying about those parts and honestly watching you you know whether it's cellulite or your hips or floating or whatever you've norm- been normalizing it for me so I can't imagine what um, has happened for other people but like, were you sort of healing as you were going? Like, how was it going? Like, did you post a picture and feel really vulnerable ever? Or how did that process work?
1: Absolutely. I I think I'm constantly healing. I think a big part of why I do this and why I believe so strongly in it is it's helped me. Mm -hmm. And every time I post something or I story something or I talk about, you know, whether it's bodies or eating or mental health, these are often reminders that, I myself need, or I take benefit from hearing. So every time, every time, there's something in that that makes me feel vulnerable, you know, because it's always a little bit scary. Like being your, your true self, your authentic self Mm -hmm. is scary because it's not just a mask that people can hurt. It's you. Right. But it, I wouldn't change it for anything because it's helped me become way more comfortable in my skin and learn a lot more about community and the power of women when we stand together
0: you know all these really incredible things and when you feel vulnerable like that how do you deal with that feeling cuz i think maybe people feel like you shouldn't feel that feeling
1: yeah of course i have i have bad days i have good days i have vulnerable days i have days where i look in the mirror and i think ooh <laughs> you know and days where i'm like where i'm like Lizzo sassy is like it's, <laughs> it's that range but I think what I've learned through this process is no matter if I'm having a good day or a bad day you know I still need to protect my mental health I still need to treat my body kindly I still need to fuel it it's emotions are going to go up and down and vary and I'm going to have days where I'm bloated I'm going to have days where I feel strong Throughout all of that, like, I still need to respect who I am and cherish that. And so that's something I've just, I guess I've just learned along the way. We are not one paint color. We're not just one specific thing that matches for everyone else. We are
0: complex and diverse. And you're in, I mean, you have had an eating disorder and you recover, you're recovering. So can you just sort of walk me through what happened and how it came about?
1: Sure. Well, my eating disorder, I guess, kicked off properly when I was 19. But I mean, I think I remember dieting from the time I was like 13, off and on. It it coincided with when my mom got sick, and then she passed away when I was 19. And my eating disorder got really bad when I was 20 and 21. And that's when I got very, very, very ill. And it, it got to the point where, you know, I... Thank thank God, my university, Creighton University in Nebraska, Mm -hmm. I had some incredible people around me and they stepped in. uh, Academics, professors, academic staff. And they had what is essentially an intervention where they were just like, you know, you're not just in need of help. We are going to get you help and you're going to get it now. Wow. So that's when I started the the three-prong approach. Which was um, medical, so I would see a nurse and a doctor like once or twice a week, depending on and a nutritionist, so food, so medical, food, and then mental. So I saw a therapist for twice a week. And I did that for about a year, and my my university paid for everything. like it was all included. It was all free. and between that and getting the scholarship to Cambridge, it honestly it saved my life because I'd reached a point where my hair was falling out, like it hurt to touch my scalp, that um everything hurt. I was always in pain, like everything, my kidneys, my back, my muscles, I can never get warm, you know, all the symptoms of when when you're killing yourself, you you get. And that's kind of the awful side of of eating disorders. But on the flip side, I was receiving a lot of praise and I often would have people say, "Oh, how do you how do you stay so thin? How do you stay so skinny?" I was scouted at a mall by a big modeling agency, an international one, like you know, you you receive all these accolades while at the same time you are you're literally killing yourself. So
0: it was it, it's such a dangerous thing that our society endorses. Yeah, it's hard to believe that that was happening, but I mean I think a lot of the celebrities we see are probably dangerously thin like that as well and are positive feedback and we're seeing it. Um, so when you started on the road to recovery, how do you sort of maintain your wellness? Do you have keep a team around you or do you tap into help? If, you know, because, yeah, how do you do that?
1: Yeah, well, I had, so again, thank goodness for my university. I had those resources for about two years okay. and the medical and the nutritionist for a year solid and then it was more of like checkups and stuff. And and the counselor for two years and that just that just made all the difference. And then I still like I still have a therapist. I have one right now because I think for me, COVID and the uncertainty and all this stuff, it it could be a it could be a potentially triggering time. And that's why on my platform, I'm talking a lot about eating disorders right now, because there's so much of this current environment that is so triggering for people who struggle with food and body image. And I'm just, you know, a part of recovery is that you're given tools to understand what's going on. And then you tap into those tools when you need them. And right now I'm like, okay, this is all happening. I probably I should use
0: one of those tools just to keep even and keep safe because you were heading into it and you you said you set up with a therapist like you you were like this is going to be tough I'm going to need help getting through this
1: yeah i think yes yeah, yeah. and what's... i also think it helps just to understand like i think therapy is one of the best things we can do right it helps to understand what we're feeling what's going on all of our emotions
0: and what what is what is triggering like tell me some of the things you've seen that are triggering for you and some of the stuff that's going on that bothers you sure i mean it's i'm gonna i'm gonna broaden it
1: out because i think it's important we we talk not just about me but i guess about people who are struggling with eating disorders and stuff and in general like some of the triggers for eating disorder would be a lack of control which is of course happening right now not just in one area of life so not just job but it's going to be jobs social situations the world our health our community like our environment it's Literally, there's nothing we can control right now except for ourselves. So a lack of control. Uh, Isolation is very triggering. A lot of eating disorders are very secretive because there's shame tied to them. Because they're so taboo, people do them in secret. And then what happens is they start to distance themselves from friends, from colleagues, especially from like social functions or anything where if you have to go eat a meal with someone, you would say no. So you become more isolated, more isolated, and then that fuels this feeling of, oh, I'm alone, I'm alone, I turn to food for comfort, I turn to food as my, my uh, coping mechanism. So we're in an environment right now where there's nothing we can control, we are forcibly isolated. And then a lot of people as well are dealing with their routines are messed up, right? So you can't go to the gym, you can't work out, you can't eat the way you normally would, or whatever structure you have in place has just kind of shifted. So all this stuff combined with all these horrible, horrible, like quarantine 15, like, oh my God, you're going to get fat in quarantine, all this body pressure. So combined with all of that, and then combined with the complex world, that social media, where suddenly everything is at-home workouts by gorgeous people, which I love. I love at-home workouts. One of my best friends, you know, that is what she does, and she's incredible. But I think all these things together, if you are someone who has struggled with disordered eating or has struggled in the past,
0: can create a very tricky environment. Right. So you always have to be... Well, I guess if you've had disordered eating, then you always have to be aware that it's a, it's a factor. It's not something that you leave in the past and you get over like most mental challenges, I would say, right. They just are always sort of there and you have to be proactive. Yeah. What's the worst thing you've seen um, on social media, like uh, about the quarantine 15 or I saw a lady that was like a jab of the Hut laying on a couch. And I can't even remember the caption. Cause I was like, <gasps> <laughs> you know, God, I
1: know. I, there's so many, there's so many. And like, barbie looking skinny and then looking overweight and it's like me before quarantine and me after or you know there's so or just celebrities looking super thin and then larger and, and it's just it is I am a huge fan of dark humor I've got a very quirky sense of humor I love it but I think jokes like this their messaging is so dangerous it would be it's we cannot joke about these things, not in this environment, and not so insensitively.
0: Yeah. Um, what are some of the things? I wanted to talk to you about Adele because of all the talk about Adele and how thin she is, and she's too thin, and she isn't too thin. What do you think about that? It's all anyone seems to be talking about.
1: It is all all that anyone seems to talk about. I think I think what's crazy is we are in an environment where – People are dying all around the world on a mass scale that we have never seen in our lifetimes. And yet we look at a woman stepping out trying to support medical workers and we become obsessed with her weight. I think it says a lot about us as a society and about how even though we act like we are beyond it, there's still a huge fascophobic culture Mm -hmm. where we have this ingrained reward system for losing weight and punishment for gaining weight regardless of if health is there and i think that's very that's incredibly incredibly dangerous you know i adele like what she has chosen to do and and how she has done it that is like her business and the people closest to her and the people who love her and you know let her rock all the glory that she is i just think that i think the media has have been absolute idiots with it
0: yeah there's so much speculation on how she lost the weight and there's a lot of beaking on one side that she did it in a really unhealthy way and then there's the other side was like well no one really knows how she did it it's just the amount of attention is pretty crazy um one of the criticisms of body positivity I hear when I, I talk to people is it seems fat phobic to me because it's like someone's pointing out yeah you can be body positive but it's unhealthy to be overweight some of these people are obese and they're Unhealthy because they're obese and they're promoting an unhealthy lifestyle. Like, how do you respond to that?
1: Well, I think what what I pull that into is there's this great quote that basically says, you know, if you struggle so much to understand that there can be health at every size, think about the fact that there can be a complete absence of health at any size. You know, when I was losing weight, when I got thinner and thinner and thinner that was rewarded except for the people closest to me who genuinely saw what i was doing to myself like thinness was a goal it was an achievement it was a success but i was not healthy there was nothing healthy about that and the same time i know people who are curvier whose bodies are different than mine who could run marathons around me who can lift way more than i can who are internally way healthier than I probably could ever be. So I think a shape and a number that isn't health. Health is so much more complicated and variable. And if you point at someone's body and you try to make a judgment on
0: their health, you that is that is incorrect. You have no space for that. I've heard you talk a lot about how you don't count calories. How do you approach sort of your eating? and your movement because you like to work out you like to be physical how do you approach that part of your life to keep it to keep it healthy balanced? Balance. yes well actually exercise
1: for me is one of like the tools in my toolbox to keep me balanced it makes me feel really good and strong and it focuses me on goals that are far greater than the size of my body so I focus on how I feel how I can move can I run fast can I lift heavy can I do these things that make me feel good good inside and so that's an for me personally that's a really powerful healthy motivator but I think exercise is it's very variable depending on the person and what it does to you mentally and physically but for me exercise is, is great I don't count calories I don't I don't look at calories I don't I that is somewhere so with eating disorders like there are things that are triggering, right? There are things that you just like for you just can't touch. And for me, calorie counting is one of them because that is where my obsessive nature kicks in and I you know, I can go very structured with it and then that's very dangerous for me. Okay. So I don't even I don't even think about that. What I try to do is Eat in a way that I know makes me feel good, that feels my body, that satisfies my taste buds, that will help me feel stronger and healthier. So I I personally, I eat a lot of food that's close to nature because I like it. I eat a lot of healthy, like I eat a lot of peanut butter. <laughs> I eat a lot of fats. But I just, I, I think dietary choices are unique to every person but I'm a I'm a big believer in like eating close to nature being flexible I don't subscribe to like cheat days or cheat meals
0: I'm just you know you just listen to your body there's a lot of talk about intermittent fasting and fasting these days and I wonder what your opinion was it was on it in coming from a place of eating disorder recovery because that also feels like it could be triggering or a slippery slope for people
1: I think it could be I think As a journalist, a lot of studies have shown that intermittent fasting is pretty beneficial to the body. Like it for certain people, like the the effects have been really positive. And I think for some people it works for them. Like it, it gives them a structure that they need to feel good, to feel strong. For me personally, I don't fast. I don't that's another thing. I just don't play with because it's you know, I I've never struggled with drinking but I imagine it might be like giving an alcoholic like here have this drink have this drink and that's that's a dangerous game to play so I don't do fasting but I think for some people if it's if it feels good
0: to them and it it suits their mental health you know it's power to them how do you handle you know when you're in a group of women one thing that I've always had a hard time you're in a group of women there's always someone that will have a you know, I've gained so much weight, or I shouldn't, you know, you're eating out, I shouldn't order this, or I shouldn't get dessert, like, how do you, I just ignore it, I don't know what to say, but how do you deal with that? I think it's a very delicate one. I
1: think it's not in my nature to come off as judgmental or preachy. I feel that when people want advice, they will ask for it. I I just, I tend to not Enter or encourage those conversations. So, if someone's sitting there saying, "Oh, I, you know, I feel so fat. I'm not going to eat tomorrow. I'm not going to be like, yeah, I feel fat too," which is something women do all the time. We tend to put ourselves down collectively. Like we tear ourselves down together as yeah, a bonding. Yeah, it's weird. And I'm and I'm like, well, but no, let's let's not make ourselves feel smaller because that's what we've been told. Will bring us together as you know i so i i just don't touch those conversations i i don't think they're healthy but i think unless you're a very very close friend it's a delicate line to walk okay
0: and you've been wading into tiktok i don't know if a lot of people know this about tiktok you're having some problems with uh <laughs> with work so just tell me what's going on
1: ah tiktok Every like third video of mine, they take down and they they also do what's called shadow banning, which they haven't announced this. They'll, they'll say they're not doing it, but they do it. As someone who's been on social media for a long time, it's where if your content is like frowned upon, they'll uh, suppress it. Okay. So fewer eyes get to it. Okay. So yeah, TikTok, basically they tend to censor traditionally unattractive bodies and also people with different backgrounds. Um, there's been an issue with people who are missing limbs or if you have like, if you it looks like you're from a poor area, you know, you will be either outright censored or kind of shadow banned. Okay. And there's a huge issue on the platform at the moment where a lot of body positivity influencers are having their content censored. And it's not because... You know, at, at first I thought it was my my first time I was wearing a swimsuit and I was like showing my cellulite on my thighs and they took it down. And in my mind, I was like, okay, well, it's because it's all teenagers and no swimsuits, I got ya, I gotcha. But that's not true. That's not true. There are loads of bikini videos and quite, there's a lot of like, quite kind of sexual content on the platform. And um, it's just anything to do with like, tummy rolls or cellulite, or again, traditionally unattractive, that's what they're censoring. And earlier in March, a a document was released about TikTok's original brand guidelines. And in that document, they actually said, yes, basically we don't, this is paraphrasing, but we don't want ugly things because people don't watch ugly stuff. We want like attractive stuff. Wow. So that is that is their policy as a platform, which is horrifying when you delve into the fact that so many, so many teenagers are on this platform and there is so much about diet, weight loss, getting skinny, getting skinny fast, physical appearance, tearing yourself apart. Like so many of the memes are like, Look how ugly I am. It's 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 horrible and you need I mean, why don't we create a space for teenagers to see a diverse range of bodies? Like why, this is a beautiful opportunity. How many videos have you had that you've done that you've had taken down? (laughs) Probably about five or six. Um, And a a friend of mine, uh, Mick Zazon is her name for anyone listening, Mick Zazon, but she's a very big body positivity influencer. And basically her entire account right now is kind of under review. So everything she posts gets suppressed.
0: It's really frustrating. I mean, it's not a public company. Obviously, it's a company that can do what they want, but it is so damaging for kids. Okay, so I, I, I want to know about when you get a hundred thousand followers on Instagram. They're not. You don't get all like friendly followers. You've got some trolls. So how and it's. I think you're having more of that the bigger you get. Yeah. What are you getting and how are you dealing with it? <laughs> <laughs> oh wow. Well,
1: you get the whole range. You get people saying. Really mean stuff about how ugly I am, how disgusting my butt is, how ugly my thighs are, how I'm so unhealthy and out of shape because I don't go to the gym. And then you get people saying how oh, I should not be talking about these things because of the way I look, because of my body type. Like, and you know, I'm feminist post because I I talk a lot about female issues and female concerns. I get horrible trolls you just get mean anti-feminists who hate women and then sometimes you get the stupid like i just got a guy the other day who just kept sending me the barf emoji <laughs> you know like wasn't even trying it was just like barf 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 so you get the whole gamut and it, and it, you also get people who are well intentioned but critique a lot so it's yeah it's it's the range but I think for me what it comes back to is you know someone who's comfortable in themselves would never tear someone else down so I try to remind myself that like yes these people are trying to hurt me they're mean they're being not very nice but they're like if they're that mean to a stranger on the internet like what must it be like inside their heads
0: I'm also interested in who's, because you do collaborations, that's, you know, obviously part of your income and um, livelihood, but how, what do you, what is offered to you and how do you choose? Yeah, I,
1: I'm really fussy with the brands I work with. Very, very, very fussy because I know I'm protective over my community. And if I work with a brand, especially now, I want it to be one that I'd want to work with. For free. Do you know what I mean? Like I like I want it to be a brand I genuinely believe in and I support. So it's things like I worked with Dove recently and that's a bucket list. And I am so excited and that's kind of a dream brand to work with um someone I I hope would work with me more. Dove if you're listening <laughs> Because for obvious reasons, I mean they're just incredible. Um I've signed on to Women's Best Clothing, so just their clothing line and that's you know, I've been using their clothing for over two years now, so it's a product I love. I really support. I wear it all the time. It's things like that that I'm like, okay, this is something I 100% believe in. I've been approached by stuff I don't believe in, or products that I don't support, or things I don't stand behind. And sometimes there's a lot of money there, right. but at the end of the day, it's trust is very hard to build and very easy to lose,
0: mm-hmm. and it's not it's just not worth it yeah and what do you get from your what kind of love do you get from your followers what kind of stories you're always posting like the people writing saying you've changed oh yeah
1: I'm so grateful for them I I get I counted the other day because I feel like I'm spending hours responding to dms and I don't even make a dent and I was like I just need I just need to know I'm getting around like 300 brand new brand new dms every day and they're these incredible stories of women making their own transformations, of trying something new, of, you know, I'm really passionate about throwing away your scales. So it's stories about women throwing away their scales or wearing shorts, because that was always a a phobia of mine, wearing shorts because I've got cellulite on my legs. So then they're wearing the shorts or it's, you know, I I saved on, I started an album on my phone. because Sometimes I'll read a message and then it'll, it'll make me start to cry. And I got one the other day where it was a teacher who had a 14-year-old in her class who was struggling with body image. So the teacher shared my profile with her. And then the 14-year-old shared it with her friends. And then now in their Zoom classes, sometimes they'll like reference some of my quotes and things like that. And I think in the midst of all this TikTok struggle where I'm like, I just... I just want to help the teenager that I once was like, I just want to, please goodness. Let me talk to them just to know that somehow, somewhere, maybe I've helped one little 14 year old. Like that just, that just hit me in the feels.
0: (laughs) Well, I bought a pair of jean cutoff shorts last year and I credit you. I was at H and M and I was buying a suit in the jean shorts and I, I felt the guy was judging me. I felt the guy behind the counter was like, really? And I was like, really? Yeah, this is what I'm buying. You've helped me too. Anyway, thank you so much for talking to us. We really appreciate it. Well,
1: thank you for having me. It's an honor.
0: Okay. Well, take care. Have a good day. Great. Thanks. That's it for this week. If you liked the podcast, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. We'll see you next time on the livehealthy.ae podcast.